I'm Mike Lesseter, editor of Farm Equipment, filling in for Kim Schmidt, who is overseas this week, reporting on farm equipment developments in Europe. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. Today's episode is different than most in the series. With the news of hemp no longer being classified as a controlled substance, our host, Casey Seymour, sits down with a veteran farm reporter to answer some of the questions that everyone in ag is asking these days. Kristen Nichols shares her expert view of the hemp industry and the opportunities for agriculture. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word about podcast sponsor, Iron Solutions. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of life cycle management services that drive sales and profits. For more on Iron Solutions tools to manage your dealership more efficiently and profitably, visit www.ironsolutions.com. Let's get started as Kristen informs us about hemp, its production, and practical implications for farming, not to mention the excitement coming from tobacco states, the Upper Plains, and the West Coast for a new rotational crop. Today, my guest is Kristen Nichols of Hemp Industry Daily, and she's an editor over there. And I wanted to get her on because she's done a lot of of in-depth study and analysis of the Farm Bill. And now the Farm Bill has allowed for hemp production to be legal um, from a federal standpoint now. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Kristen, but it still has to be okayed by the states to produce it. So now that that hemp is is legal now, there's got to be some opportunities for it to be more of a rotational crop when you start looking at you know, how people are going to, to farm in their farming practices. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you so much. So talk to me a little bit about what your background is, what you guys do over at Hemp Industry Daily, and, and, and kind of how the Farm Bill is, is going to uh, affect the hemp industry. Okay. The Farm Bill is absolutely seismic, not just for hemp, but for the entire cannabis space hemp and marijuana. I was a longtime agriculture reporter for about 20 years and uh, came over here to start a great publication all about hemp. Hemp is uh, the same plant as marijuana. They're two the same plants, but they're grown a little differently. Just all different kinds of roses and all different kinds of trees. There's lots of different kinds of cannabis. All the same plant. Uh, but hemp and marijuana are used and uh, grown differently, and now they have a different legal status. The Farm Bill says that no longer is hemp a controlled substance. They define that as meaning cannabis with no more than 0.3% THC. That is the chemical that makes uh, you intoxicated, makes you high. Um, hemp versions, again, they're different versions of the same plant, but hemp uh, cultivars have low levels of THC that really aren't enough to really intoxicate you. And that's why people are excited for all the other things the plant can do. Uh, and it's not going to be a controlled substance anymore. There's a lot of uses for hemp right now. I mean, CBD oil, for example. I use CBD oil in various things. You know, it's, it's great for inflammation in your joints and just overall health. There's the fibers that come from it you can use to make clothing, paper, all kinds of things. So 
now that there's going to be access to capital for hemp producers that hasn't been there before. Do you feel like there's just going to be an explosion in the hemp production industry, or do you feel like there's still going to be two or three years from now, you might, you'll see a rapid growth? What's your opinion of that? Okay. Well, there's going to be a ex- huge explosion, but it's important to remember this remains a very small niche crop. We're looking at less than 100,000 acres nationwide. Even huge hemp activists will tell you this is a grain of sand on the beach of agriculture. This is always going to be a small niche specialty crop. It's sort of like flax, knaff, or jute. Um, those are, those are again, additions to anybody's crop rotation, uh, but you don't, it's not going to be bigger than corn or wheat. Anybody that talks to you that game is really full of baloney. So what the Farm Bill does, as you pointed out, because low THC cannabis is no longer a controlled substance, that frees all of the normal lenders and access to capital uh, to farmers that they were not able to access before. Even though hemp was allowed in the 2014 Farm Bill on a, as a pilot level, which is why we're seeing hemp everywhere and CBD everywhere, that bill did not take hemp off the Controlled Substances Act, which means if you're a uh, large national lender, international lender, it's still on that list, still requires you to do a bunch of paperwork for the feds, and most banks have said, nope, not interested. Already, just a little uh, into this new farm bill, hemp farmers are finding all kinds of access to um, capital that they did, could not access before. This is likely going to take this crop from a, a small niche. I don't, again, I don't think it's going to be a humongous commodity. There is absolutely concern about overproduction. And what you said to start out with is, I think, important for farmers to take with a grain of salt. What you hear over and over again from hemp activists and from politicians, frankly, are how many uses there are for industrial hemp. And that is true. You can make all kinds of fibers and ropes and textiles from it. And oil seed, which is like a food, not uh, with these CBD. However, the market opportunities for those kinds of crops are very much in the future. It's very speculative right now. Most of the industry is for CBD production. When I say most, I mean like upwards of 90% of all all hemp in the ground in the U.S. today is being grown for those flowers where you get the CBD. So it's not as easy for a farmer to pivot from, say, canola or corn to machine uh, harvesting uh, hemp for industrial purposes. A lot of farmers that have tried that are sitting on uh, barns full of stocks they can't sell and don't have buyers. So it's important, I think, for folks, before you get in, there's access to capital. We're going to see this market really explode. Uh, but to uh, to be a smart businessman, as I know uh, farmers are, and find out where you could sell it, get in touch with your um, state ag department, find out processing facilities in your area. If, you're, if the closest place to process it is half a country away, you got to really think about, and it's a heavy crop, you really got to think about how you're going to monetize what you're growing. So there are enormous opportunities, but also a lot of uncertainty as we go ahead. A quick break in the action to invite you to our annual Dealership Mind Summit. Check out this unique management event for farm equipment dealers only at www.dealershipmindssummit.com. It's a quick hit, two-day mastermind style summit that connects you to your peers of all colors. Come participate and learn from the very best minds in the ag machinery dealer world, all seeking solutions to your same challenges. 
www.dealershipmindssummit.com. My proximity to to the hemp industry is pretty close. I live in western Nebraska. We have locations down in eastern Colorado, and there are several uh, folks down there that are growing hemp on, on a on a larger scale. I mean, they're irrigated pivot circles of of hemp. You know, and it's pretty easy to go out and find that stuff. So, of those folks that you deal with and the folks you talk with, do you feel like their operations are going to greatly change now? Because instead of having to walk into our dealership and buy a tractor with cash now they can do it with an operating note or they can do it with a line of credit from john deere financial whoever you know whatever lending institution they use how do you think that's going to change their day-to-day operation or just their operation as a whole oh there's no uh, way around it. it is absolutely seismic and game-changing everything about how you do business in hemp is going to change the financing mechanisms you mentioned this is brand new to hemp folks. And also, on the flip side, for traditional farmers, uh, traditional commodity farmers, um, have been largely unwilling to do more than kind of dip their toes in hemp because, again, while it was a controlled substance, you could endanger the rest of your business. You could endanger uh, subsidies. You could endanger other crop insurance. You could endanger your water rights. There's lots of other uh, pain points for you. Those have all gone away. So I think you're going to see um, a lot of farmers that have been, of course, interested in to hear these crazy numbers about how much hemp farmers are making and who are looking for a hedge against, against soybean, a lot of volatility in the market. And, and hemp can be a nice hedge for now to see what those prices are. So not just traditional farmers getting in. A lot of people that have been growing marijuana in the black and gray market for decades, now they have a way to access the things you just talked about. They have a way to access crop insurance, financing, equipment that they never had before. So you're going to see a lot of marijuana entrants also to the hemp space to try to take advantage of what life is like as a legal business. What is actually in the, the farm bill and what is what does it actually insure? What does it actually subsidize or anything like this? Yep, it's important to break down exactly what the farm bill does and doesn't do about hemp. Um, a lot of folks thought uh, this would, uh, you know, solve all of hemp's problems. It does not. Here's what the Farm Bill does. It says, A, hemp is not a controlled substance. That means if you do anything wrong with it or you're using it wrongly, you're guilty of, and it's, you're guilty of, you know, you could get enforcement letters, you could get fines, but you're not going to go to jail, right? And that is a big deal for a lot of folks. So uh, this year, number one, Farm Bill, you're not going to go to jail if you grow hemp, even if you grow it in a state it doesn't allow it, you're not going to go to jail for it. Another thing that Farm Bill does is says, okay, instead of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, instead of them overseeing hemp production or making sure that this stuff isn't marijuana, you know who should do that is USDA. So it gives all that authority from the DEA to the USDA. And that opens a big question is what does that look like? How is the USDA going to make sure that all these uh, hemp crops that are coming on, how are they going to make sure that they're hemp and not marijuana? It is not easy to tell the difference. Kind of underscores why it had been illegal to grow hemp before, even though it could get you high. It's extremely difficult, and there's no handheld way to do it. They look the same. They smell the same. Right, and so we're already seeing at least two big cases. Um, one a couple weeks ago in Oklahoma, one just this week in Idaho. 
of cops pulling over tractor trailers full of what may be hemp, what may be marijuana. They're not sure. You have to wait for a lab test to tell. And that's uh, really unworkable for a lot of kind of county level and like your local extension agent, right? It's going to be hard to manage that. So that's the huge question is now it takes it out of DEA and gives it to USDA. The final thing that the Farm Bill does, which is important for folks to remember, is there's this little line about another agency, the FDA. The FDA, of course, regulates everything that we put in our mouth and everything that we put on our skin, all the drugs we take. And it says in the Farm Bill that FDA is still in charge of food and drugs and cosmetics. And right now, the FDA says you cannot put CBD stuff in that. So another question, after the Farm Bill passed... The FDA said, okay, we'll take another look. Now that CBD is not a controlled substance, we're going to take another look. But that doesn't mean it's not necessarily legal to put it into a cream or a tincture or, you know, any kind of uh, supplement or nutraceutical. The FDA still says that's not okay. But the FDA, at the same time, has done nothing about it. As you know, and all your listeners know, you see CBD everywhere you go. You see it at the chiropractor. You see it at farmer's markets. You see it at pet groomer. You see it in the convenience stores. Um, So it's really an open question. What does the FDA going to do with this stuff? But the point is that there's still questions. Even though the Farm Bill is passed and hemp is not a controlled substance, a lot of questions about where this market's going to go. I'm told it's going to be 18 to 24 months mm-hmm. till we'll likely see rules from the USDA. And that means for the near term, for this planting season, possibly into next, you're going to have to go on your what your state tells you you can and can't do with hemp. So if you're in a, 41 states already have hemp programs, if you're in one of those states, you need to look to what your state says, how they want you to approach it pay the fees that they want you to pay and whatever testing regime they have that's what goes for now all right so the other thing that was that comes to mind when, when you're looking at this kind of back to your example earlier when you were talking about the semi trucks pulled over with uh, truckloads of of hemp or marijuana colorado is a great example and you're coming out of colorado with your product and then you have to drive across a state like kansas for example or nebraska or whatever one that doesn't have the legalization of hemp from a state perspective. How do the interstate commerce laws work as far as transporting your crop to market? Another big thing the Farm Bill does, there's a line in there guaranteeing the interstate commerce of hemp. So these two cases I just talked about, one in Oklahoma, one in Idaho, are states where I don't have that much hemp, wouldn't have that much hemp yet. Oklahoma has something started, but they don't have crops in yet. And Idaho allows none of it. If those tests come back and say it's hemp, then interstate commerce says you can't stop that transfer. A question is going to be, of course, if you're a hemp producer or a marijuana producer, are you willing to ship your stuff knowing it might get pulled over and sit in the warehouse for two months while you try to figure out whether you can get your stuff back? So there's pain points for sure. Um, We're going to see... How local law enforcement reacts to this? Are we going to start seeing a lot more interstate commerce and cops just say throw their hands up and say, you know what, screw it. It's too hard to tell the difference. What are we supposed to do? On the other side, are you going to see hemp producers um, start suing 
when they miss a shipment or stuff gets seized. There's decades of experience in the cannabis and hemp space of folks losing product at the borders, at, at ports and such. So when it happens, when you're an illegal drug, you go, oh, tough toots, you know, I lost $100,000 worth of flour. Now that it's illegal and not a controlled substance, are you going to see hemp producers suing when they lose those kinds of shipments? That's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, it will be. You start looking at some harassment lawsuits and various, uh, you know, like you said, you know, you start infringing on interstate commerce laws, that's protected in the Constitution. So there's a lot of things there that are going to be uh, pretty, pretty stiff pain points for a lot of folks when it comes to this product. Absolutely. And what is government's response? How is it going to change when it is, I hate to say it, more sympathetic traditional farmers tangled up in this versus what it often is now, which is former marijuana black market growers trying to get legal. You know, I do think the the approach from law enforcement and state officials and definitely from agriculture officials changes a little bit. It's going to change a little bit as we see this industry expand. We'll get back to Casey and Kristen in a moment. But first, a quick word about the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with tools for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit them at www.ironsolutions.com to see the solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Before we jump back into the interview, here's Casey with a quick message about Moving Iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Ag and Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now and answer more questions about the opportunities and the problem areas that you and your customers will want to know about and plan for in the coming 12 months. What's a knee-jerk reaction to the to the public now as far as the agricultural agencies out there that are that are dealing with this? What's their initial reaction to the whole hemp thing? I would say naive enthusiasm. People are so excited. Um, I always say, um, if you want to know why hemp is legal, it's three words, tobacco state Republicans. There is a strong belief and enthusiasm in former tobacco states 
that hemp is going to be the new tobacco. It's going to make everybody rich. The CBD market's so big and there's nowhere to go but up. It's going to be in every box of cereal. It's going to be in every corner store. It's going to be at your corner grocery. And I think there are a lot of obstacles for that to happen. The FDA is one, as uh, we'll get to, I'm sure, in a minute. Hemp doesn't grow perfectly everywhere. Um, there are production considerations to consider. Um, so I think agriculture officials generally are extremely excited about hemp. Also, they're charging these farmers a bunch of money, and no one's complaining about it. In most states, you, you can pay 500 to $1,000 even to apply for the chance to grow hemp. And that, that's not even fees once you get it. So um, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm. I don't think there's a lot of skepticism about hemp, but I do think there's going to be a lot of rude awakenings when maybe the profits don't appear overnight. Okay, so CBD oil is really uh, an expensive product, right, to buy. I mean, I've heard upwards of $1,000 a gallon for that stuff. It's very expensive to go buy on in your store or in your off the internet or wherever mm-hmm. it is that you're buying it. So there is there is a, uh, a massive amount of, of upward potential for, for profitability in the overall market space. Instead of hauling hemp around, are, are a lot of these growth facilities, are they are they looking at getting their own crush, crush facilities set up for you know, the, the seeds and, and to make their own CBD oil, or is that primarily a, you know, hey, we're going to we're gonna ship this off to a, to a factory someplace and they're going to make it for us? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's, it's to be seen. When I uh, say folks are shipping, they're shipping whole biomass. The flowers are where the CBD is concentrated, and you are seeing a lot of um, growers interested in extracting right there on their land. Most folks don't really have the interest or expertise to do so, but the old joke, which I'm sure you've heard, which is, you can make money selling beer, but nobody ever heard of a rich hops farmer. Um, is So I think a lot of farmers are anticipating a fall in prices for hemp components, so they're going to be considering, do I want to extract it here? And it's certainly cheaper to, to ship um, extracted isolate or extract or something like that, but do you want to have an extraction facility on your farm? Or do you want a contract grow for someone else is going to pick it up and get it? In both of these cases I was talking about, about the seized shipments, they were from CBD manufacturers who basically were ordering hemp from where it's being grown uh, in Kentucky or, uh, in one case, Oregon, and then shipping it home to, to process it. So I, don't, I do think that is kind of a short-term game. I think we're going to see more processing popping up all around. Um, the question is where, uh, where, where are prices going to land and how long is it going to take for the bubble to burst because it's not going to last forever. Okay, yeah. So what I'm asking is, uh, for example, if I, have, uh, if I have my own crush facility, am I, am I crushing my own CBD oil and, and, and selling it on my own in the open market? Or do I, are there like a Whole Foods or somebody like that that is a, I that is a- Sure. There are, there are all kinds of models. One frustrating thing about the current hemp market that's going to change under the farm bill, one frustrating thing is that right now it's buyer beware everywhere you look. Folks, if you want to find out how, uh, say you want to find out, I'm growing hemp, how much can I make? How much would I make if I pressed it myself into or extracted it myself? Should I just sell the crude isolate or sell the crude extract? which is more profitable. Right now, folks who are trying to do that have only one option, and that option is to pick up the phone and ask around. Your uh, All of the kind of 
commodity tr- trades and government tracking of a commodity price that exists for other crops absolutely does not exist here. There are farmers who will only grow it and they want someone else to come harvest it. They grow under contract and say, you come get it. I don't know what to do with this. There are others that say, oh, you can hear this like seed to sale language. They, I want to grow it. I want to extract it. Then I want to make it into a lotion and sell it um, directly to um, retailers or maybe directly to consumers online. There's profitable models everywhere in there, but they change state by state. And it's the kind of thing you probably don't want to uh, wait into certainly don't put plants in the ground for you know how you're going to sell them. So how how does the FDA play into what happens with the with the hemp byproducts and and how are the states kind of regulating all the consumer safety issues yeah, that come along with it? The FDA is the big unknown here. It is the million dollar question everybody wants to know. What is the FDA going to do? It has always been the FDA's position that CBD is not a legal ingredient to put in food, drugs, or cosmetics. However, as everybody knows, um, they've had a policy of benign neglect. The FDA has sent a couple nasty grams to uh, CBD producers making health claims, like saying on your website, this will cure cancer, uh, this will treat your arthritis, or whatever you got, this will treat this. Uh, they, they will get enforcement letters from the FDA. Those could lead to criminal charges. Those could lead to product seizures, but so far, they haven't. The question for the FDA is going to be, what changes now? You say you still can't put it in lotions. Well, I see 10 kinds of lotions online now, and I can just go to my local farmer's market and pick up all kinds of CBD. So what do you mean it's not allowed? Um, we're going to see if the FDA has the appetite to spend money to crack down on this stuff and what that looks like, how that changes the market. For now, I would say the uncertainty over the FDA is right now keeping CBD out of the biggest retailers. You don't see it in Target and Walmart and Costco. So right now, there's a lot of opportunity for smaller producers to, through the whole supply chain, retail their own products. Uh, Again, you are taking a risk if you put it into a food or drug or cosmetic. However, there's a little safety in numbers, and they always jokingly say, don't be the first guy that uh, they shut down. Do everything as as well as you can. And when I say as well as I can, uh, lawyers will advise, you know, let's say you want to grow hemp and you want to make it into a food. Well, look up on the FDA and see what kind of rules there are if you were making other kinds of granola. And follow those rules just with hemp. Um, and, and so you're probably not going to be the first guy, you know, if that's the case. But there's still a really open question what FDA is going to do. The government shutdown helped no farmers, certainly in lots of other areas too. But when it comes to hemp, everybody wants to know what is the FDA going to do? We have no idea. We'll take a quick break here to share another important project in the farm equipment industry. It's time now to celebrate our industry at its best. We're soliciting nominations right now for Farm Equipment's annual Dealership of the Year program. This yearly program recognizes both large multi-store and small store ag equipment dealers that are leading the way in best practices, operations management, and customer care. Nominate an industry best dealership today at www.farm-equipment.com doy or email me at kschmidt at lestermedia.com. And now back to our interview. Okay. 
Canada here just in the last couple of years, um, completely legalized use of marijuana hemp, you know, nationwide for recreational use and you know, medical marijuana and everything else. Uh, the United States has several states that have been either medical marijuana use or recreational marijuana use, um, and obviously hemp would fall into that too. Is this Pandora's box to to the legalization of marijuana? Yes. I think so. And um, again, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think, as I keep saying, I think the USDA and all the states are going to find it's very difficult to tell the two apart. It's not an easy enforcement regime. Uh, You hear all the time that hemp is not marijuana. Stop saying it's marijuana, blah, blah, blah. It is not an easy lift to tell um, which is which. And And I do think there is a potential here for the nation to kind of realize, you know what, this is silly. The line between hemp and marijuana is kind of arbitrary. What we have in federal law right now says 0.3% THC. Well, that's a phony baloney macaroni made up number. It's like saying how much estrogen does a woman have to have before she's a woman? Or how red does a rose need to be to be a rose? I mean, it's kind of, it doesn't really have a lot of basis in science. So I think it could be a path to marijuana legalization. Also, again, you're going to see a lot of marijuana producers start hemp businesses. And um, will this lead them to maybe pivoting entirely over while pushing those resources to pushing for marijuana legalization? Possibly. Also, I think an important thing about CBD, you mentioned um, yourself using it. I think another great market advantage for CBD is it's the toe-in. A lot of people who maybe used marijuana when they were young or maybe never used it but are willing to try a CBD product come away often with, okay, you know, it's not the devil's lettuce. It does other things besides get you high. Does that change your perception about maybe THC products? It definitely can. We've seen that happen in different markets, but it's clear to know um, where all this is going to land for actual producers. Um, Are you going to see hemp growers go into court to have to argue that they're not growing marijuana? That's an open question. It will certainly drive people out of hemp in a hurry if that happens. Um, but it can also inspire farmers to say, you know what, this is silly. I can grow hemp really well. I could probably grow marijuana really well. What's the big deal? To your point earlier that you made, I've, I've got to see this being a, a big thing in, in the southern states where tobacco was a big deal with regulations and kind of the all out kind of everyone's kind of turned their back on tobacco as far as, uh, you know, just the health effects that come along with it. There's got to be some pretty good excitement in Tennessee and Kentucky and North and South Carolina and, and Georgia and those areas where, where, to, where tobacco is a big deal. Absolutely. There's uh, different areas where, where there's excitement for different reasons. Tobacco states think hemp could be a replacement to tobacco. This is mostly kind of the upper south or mid-Atlantic, as they say. Yeah, it's like too cold for cotton, too hot for corn. Kind of the Carolinas, basically. Carolinas, Tennessee, Kentucky. Also, another big hemp region to watch is going to be the upper plains. Um, these are kind of uh, Wisconsin, North Dakota, Montana. Montana is now the biggest hemp state. These are the states that border the prairie provinces of Canada. That's the big hemp basket of Canada, uh, where you're going to see a lot of this fiber production, oil seed production. 
Um, that Those kinds of uses don't leave out the West Coast. Those are kind of cannabis pioneers. You see a lot of outdoor marijuana growers. The very people who might be looking to take advantage of legality can easily switch over to hemp uh, in some areas. If, they, if they've been growing marijuana legally for a long time, they might see, hey, you know, this is my opportunity to go national or international, and I won't have all of these tax burdens and all of this law enforcement headache I've had while growing marijuana. How is the West Coast going to respond to all this? And it's even bigger, I would say, than the U.S. One big question that the Farm Bill raises is, could we see other countries really start flooding us with imports, or could we see even producers here start moving production to uh, lower-cost parts of the world, doing grazing CBD there, extracting raising CBD varieties, extracting CBD, shipping the isolates, and even manufacturing it overseas and selling it here. And what does that mean for the American hemp market? It's just so many questions. You know, it's so it's such a new thing that you know. I, Oh, it's a mess. I, I honestly am. I think it's a great, it's a great move forward here. I think it's a great opportunity for, for farmers to to have a chance to have a rotational crop in their mix that that has some profitability to it in, in times like we're seeing now, where you know your traditional corn grower could could grow some hemp and 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 maybe offset some some of the pressure that he feels from just the overall market conditions mm-hmm. we see right now of the traditional ag, you know, the ag products that we see out there absolutely okay so obviously you can do all kinds of stuff with the fiber you can do a lot of stuff there is there any kind of uh like a uh, where, where hemp could become a a feed of sorts or where you can mix some you know ration out hemp into cattle feed or something like that to where you're, you're going to have a, a an additional resource here for for your crock there's a lot of folks who are very interested in using hemp as a feed ingredient, um, and there are some there's some experimenting going on. There's some work going be going on at the University of Nevada Reno, uh, Colorado State University is doing some work looking at that, and the hemp industry is a little frustrated because they want it to go in animal feed right now. I think it's a great use. Government regulators, and I have to side with them here will point out, look, this has nothing to do with reefer madness or thinking okay. that uh, the, the animals are going to get high. But there is a good reason to go slow before feeding something to animals that are going to end up in the human food supply, particularly if it's something those animals don't naturally eat. It's important to remember, um, if you're thinking of a hemp for uh, pig feed or cow feed or anything, though that is not a, a food that they would naturally eat anywhere. Uh, you'd be introducing a new kind of um, uh, food ingredient. There's reasons to go slow. Um, don't forget, uh, people, yeah, I know your viewers have not forgotten. Nobody's forgotten what happened in Great Britain and my, Mad Cow. These are feed problems that led to billion with a B losses and people having to put down whole flocks of animals, whole herds of animals. No one wants to repeat anything like that. I think we could see a future for hemp and animal feed. I don't think that's going to be a major profit point for anybody. It's mostly going to be a waste byproduct use. Um, no one's going to feed the valuable CBD parts, um, I think, to food animals. And I don't think anyone's going to get rich growing animal feed, hemp-based animal feed. But I think we'll see it, but I think it'll take a few years. Okay, so here we are, 2019. What's your vision of the future here now with, with hemp? And, and as we wrap it up here, as as you look out here the next three to five years down the road, what's your grand vision here of, of where you see the hemp industry going? 
I think it's going to boom and then bust. Uh, but but like I do think where it'll settle is just where we started, which is that uh, it's going to be a powerful rotational option for growers or well-rounded growers who want one other piece of the pie, I guess, uh, something else to hedge against um, for your overall business. I don't think hemp is going to be the kind of crop that it was before the Industrial Revolution when it was just the mo- more dominant than, than corn or wheat. However, it's going to bring us some new opportunities, and I think looking forward, this really could lay the groundwork for what national marijuana legalization is going to look like. Right on. Well, Kristen, it was great having you on the show, and you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. If, if folks want to reach out to you and, and pick your brain or, or maybe ask a question about what they see happening here, how would they do that? Oh, I'm so excited. I am at hempindustrydaily.com. That's all one word. And you can find me there, just Kristen N. at hempindustrydaily.com. Poke around, do the find us. Um, we love meeting uh, new farmers or new, new folks getting into this space. Have lots of resources for folks to learn about. Just learn about hemp and, more importantly, learn about market opportunities in hemp and what to do with it and how to make money at it. We're here, uh, and please get in touch anytime. Well, Kristen, thanks for being on the show, and, and if there's anything I can do for you in the future, please let me know. Will do. Thanks, Casey, and to Kristen for shedding light on this interesting area of agriculture that virtually everyone is asking questions about these days. And remember that in addition to this podcast, we at Farm Equipment Magazine have built a structure to tap into any of your questions, including today's content. So if you've got a question for Casey or want an additional perspective on what you heard from Kristen, head over to farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Submit your question and Casey will answer it or find you the answer via our Ask the Expert blog. Again, that's www.farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this unique series. You can check them out at www.ironsolutions.com today. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. For Casey, Kristen, and our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Mike Lesseter. Thanks for listening.